Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment Wrap-Up for Friday, June 3rd, 2022. If you run Confluence Server and Data Center, you might want to be aware of a zero day that was announced recently by Velexity on a blog post that they released on the 1st of June. Maybe it was the 2nd. They noted that they were able to recreate an exploit and identify a zero-day vulnerability impacting fully up-to-date versions of Confluence Server. This would allow for remote code execution. And following this discovery and verification, Velexity contacted Atlassian to report the relevant details on May 31st, 2022. And Atlassian has since confirmed this vulnerability and subsequently assigned the issue to CDE 2022-26134. It has been confirmed to work on current versions of Confluence Server and Data Center. Blog post goes on to talk about the initial analysis and how they were able to exploit the versions, the commands that they executed, and having some IOCs in there. If you run these products I would suggest that you pay very close attention and react accordingly and look for a patch, hopefully shortly from Atlassian. You'll remember that on Monday, we talked about the vulnerability CDE 2022-30190 in the Microsoft Support Diagnostic Tool. Microsoft Security Response Center did release some guidance with regards to that. There is not a patch as of now that I'm aware of, but they do have some workarounds for it. And just as a summary to review what this can actually do is that specifically the blog post calls out that an attacker who successfully exploits this vulnerability can run arbitrary code with the privileges of, of calling application, the attacker can then install programs, view change or delete data, or create new accounts in the context allowed by the user's rights. So in other words, sounds like fully takeover of a system to do some really bad stuff. Their main workaround is to disable the MSDT, the Microsoft Support Diagnostic Tool. And this is something that is discussed as far as the steps needed to do this in the blog post from Microsoft. They also mentioned that the Defender detections and protections should, you can enable some in order to mitigate this risk. So definitely take a look at that and keep an eye out. If you haven't done some mitigation actions for it, you probably should because coming from Tech Target a few days later, this on June 1st, uh, China-backed hackers are actually exploiting this unpatched Microsoft Zero Day. And again, this is not too much of a surprise, but just a piece of intel noting that that uh, for specifically the Zero Day, of course, they talk about that it can circumvent some of the protective view stuff with regards to converting to an RTF. We talked about that before. But just another example of how the Zero Day is being exploited in the wild, and therefore it's important to make sure that you have your mitigation actions in place. Ransomware seems to be a topic that is quite prevalent on the podcast. It's something that we talk about both here, and I'm sure you see it in your channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, what have you, because it continues to be a significant issue. And I consider doing 
a summary of sorts for ransomware, the hot topics. But fortunately, I don't have to do that because CSO Online did it for us. And I included that in the show notes. But from a high level, they look at four things that we've talked about on this podcast. The first is from the Verizon uh, Data Breach Investigations Report of the DBIR. They note that ransomware-related breach instances have rose 13% and increased larger than in the past five years combined. If you're not familiar with the DBIR, you should. It's it's a wonderful, wonderful resource. It's been around for, I think, since 2008. The second was a little bit of a twist on ransomware with regards to it being more of a charitable donation type thing in order to get the encryption key back. This is the Goodwill ransomware. And again, as I opined last time, it's still ransomware and it's still an intrusion and it's while it may have good intentions, it's still ransomware. So there's a summary about that in there. And then the Linux-based ransomware called CheerScript that targets VMware's ESXi servers. I think I mentioned that on Monday. And then finally about uh, Revo being back. And this is from Akamai. And they noted that they were called in to assist with what is called a layer seven attack on a hospitality customer by a group claiming to be Revo. So there's your summary. It would be nice maybe if CSO online, if they do do a wrap up summary, this was actually from yesterday, but if they do a wrap up summary, I'll keep an eye on that. And if that's the case, I'll note it as a resource on this podcast. Finally, there was a post on LinkedIn that made the VC so rounds earlier this week, or maybe it was late last week. I can't remember which, but it certainly blew up. It also uh, became a little bit viral on Twitter. And I'm just going to read the post first in case you haven't seen it or read it. I am not going to identify the poster. That's not what I'm here for but I am going to read the post. In other news, name a better way to get into the field of cybersecurity and start building experience than learning and studying what it takes to become a CISO, then becoming a VCSO, remote part-time CISO, pro bono, aka volunteer, for a small mom-and-pop business part-time. You just need to find a company that lacks any formal security program and explain to them your willingness to create one for them for free and manage it. By doing this, you will be able to start gaining experience as a VCSO and can use it on your LinkedIn and resume. If you can't find any companies that will give you a chance, then just put that you are a VCSO for a confidential company until you find one that takes on your service offerings. You'll technically still be a VCSO in the interim, just one without clients. After gaining some experience and ironing out the bugs in your methodology, you will be able to leverage your first few volunteer clients for endorsements and recommendations in order to gain legitimate paying clients down the road. Please see supplemental reading material in the comments of this post. Please also leave a like and share with your network. If you have any questions or concerns, please let me know. Thank you for your time and support. I hope you have a good day. That's the end of the post. And in 30 seconds, I'll have a few comments about it. 
The virtual CISO field has pretty much exploded in the last few years, and for good reason. There are companies out there that need experienced risk management professionals in order to help them build their security program. I've often talked about before on this podcast the disturbing trend that has happened in the virtual CISO space with regards to MSP sometimes, where they'll offer the virtual CISO service, but they're really providing more like an IT security manager type role. In other words, a more technical type role. It's in not a risk management resource, and that sells the business short who is contracting for a virtual CISO. This post kind of takes it to a new level. And it's one of those instances that when I first read it, I got very, very livid about. Let me explain why about that first. And that comes back to why I do what I do in the VCSO space. Five years ago, I had a calling. It was a God thing for me. But basically to distill it down, that I had these talents that I had built up over almost 30 years, so 25 plus years of a progressively increased responsibility and experienced career, which ended up with several years at the CISO level, that I saw this problem with small and mid-sized businesses not having the same experience. I wanted to solve that problem. Now, I wasn't the first one to come up with the virtual CISO idea but I wanted to be part of that ecosystem and I wanted to do it right. And I wanted to, I, I wanted to promote that. That's why my firm, that's pretty much all that we do. We'll do some risk assessment projects, but, but generally speaking, we do everything just in layer two of the, um, three, um, the three lines of defense model. If you don't know that, look it up. It's worth knowing. And if you want to hear a little bit more about my story and why I do what I do, Look at the first episode in this podcast. It's actually season zero, episode zero. It's called Genesis. It's only four minutes long. It's a testimony I did in front of a group of fine folks. But I say all that to give you context about where I'm coming from and why even now when I am talking about this, I get, I get very upset. Because the first and foremost thing maybe not the foremost, but certainly the first thing is that you can't consult about what you do not know. There's no maybe or not maybe. You're selling yourself as a consultant. And if you sell yourself as a consultant for something you do not know or have the experience for, you can't take a course, for example, and become a virtual CISO. You have to have the experience behind it. You're selling them short. You're misrepresenting your skill set. Now, for those of us who are CISSPs, and certainly most of the other certifications, that's by the way, the CISSP requires experience. Another part of it is ethics. You have to maintain code of ethics in order to maintain that certification. There's nothing ethical about lying. And that's what you're doing. That's what this post is recommending that people do. Fake it till you make it. Lie about 
You try to start a relationship off with a lie, it never works. It always crumbles. Truth always, always comes out. And you're using your unsuspecting clients now. Not only are you, you not bringing experience, but you're using them for on-the-job training. You're going to gain some experience and iron out the bugs in your methodology. You're experimenting on other businesses' security programs. That's dangerous and wrong. There are two risks here to the information security community as a whole. And I want everybody to understand this. This is not just about one post. This mindset is a risk to what all of us as practitioners, why we do what we do. The first is to the business. And I've pretty much explained that, but to summarize it, you could be putting the business in a worse position than when they started. They started knowing nothing. Then if you come in without valid experience, train on the job, mess things up perhaps, where does that put the business's security posture? And who's liable at that point in time? As a side note, as a virtual CISO, you should have liability insurance. The second risk here is to anybody who takes this advice. Because if you lie, that's a sure way to put a severe dent in your career. The information security community is rather close-knit. Word gets around. You don't want to do this. There are no shortcuts in information security or in life. You have to pay your dues. You have to work at it. You have to grind at it. There are no shortcuts. Everybody has opportunity. But that doesn't mean you can take a side path and suddenly be there. Don't call yourself a virtual CISO if you don't have significant risk management virtual CISO or CISO level experience. In fact, don't call yourself a CISO. I see that on LinkedIn a lot too. You look at someone's profile, they call themselves a CISO, and then you look at what they're actually doing, and it's not. It's not. My hope, and this is my reaction, my first post reaction to this, my hope for this poster is that they basically retract it and apologize for it and understand, repent for it, if you will. But as I understand it, that wasn't the case. There was a follow-up post, and I don't have seen the post directly because when I first responded, I was immediately blocked. But apparently the follow-up post talks about people being gatekeepers or something like that. And I'll tell you one other thing too, and I'm probably preaching to the choir, but if you have to block and call people names, you've lost the argument right there. You, you cannot defend your position. Now, I still hope that the poster comes to a realization because I 
one thing I will give them is that I think that to some extent they're 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 right in wanting to try to provide a path to help people get into infosec. But you don't start being a doctor by beginning by operating on people. You go through a residency after the training. There's a lot of time there. But I was brought up to I was brought up to hope that people will do the right thing. So I know this has been a little bit longer of a rant and I apologize for that, but that's I feel very strongly about this for the information security community. So um I'd love to know your thoughts. And hopefully we need to do better in the virtual CISO space. Otherwise, if we don't have a good foundation, then the service that we're trying to provide to ultimately help, because that's what we're doing, we're trying to help, that service will crumble. Thank you and stay secure.